You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into a Monday holiday week edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and you just know stuff's going to break while we're eating turkey stuffing, cranberry sauce, all the normal foods, giblets, beans, beans of many kinds, multiple varieties of beans. That's when the news is going to drop. But that's why we're here pre-Thanksgiving to take you through the Yankees rumors you need to know what's BS, what smells nice, and what they're likely to actually accomplish over the next couple of days. Because what a weirdly paced offseason so far. Um, does MLB have an offseason problem where they need to make it more like the NBA offseason? I don't know. The NBA offseason kind of annoys me. 75 deals announced within the first two minutes of free agency period is also weird. But that said... We all know we're waiting until the winter meetings for any movement. The Bryce Harper and Manny Machado sagas from a couple of years ago kind of feel like the new normal, where it's like, if it doesn't get done by the winter meetings, it might not get done until March. And so we are still waiting for an endless number of high-profile free agents to sign. Anthony Rizzo did not break them, maybe clarified the Yankees' current uh, free agent operations, but maybe also was just an independent signal. We still don't know. That's why we're going to talk you through everything that we are hearing um, and everything that is strangely unaffected by DJ LeMahieu's potentially major injury, which is yet to be resolved. We're going to talk about the new details there. And Friday was the non-tender deadline. The Yankees had the opportunity to non-tender several players, which just means not offering them a contract, sending them into the free agent pool uh, to join the rest of their friends, giving Aaron Judge some new buddies on the currently unsigned team most teams took significant advantage of this. The Yankees did not, and they tendered a contract and came to a pre-arb agreement with their most controversial possible eligible players. So we'll talk about people the Yankees could pick up now that they've joined the free agency pool, in addition to the players the Yankees just decided they were going to bring back for now. Although just because they signed them new contracts does not mean they will open the season on the opening day roster. If you want to keep track of these rumors, Make sure to read yanksgoyard.com. We'll be all over them, but also make sure to subscribe to the audio feed of this podcast. 
on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, all those premium uh, podcast apps, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to find us. Drop us a five-star review. Mailback questions in the review are welcome. We're here to answer your questions. Of course, we're live on YouTube two times a week, Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. But this week, Thursday, is breaking Thanksgiving Day. So we're not going to be live on, on Thursday. But we will go live for an emergency pod if needed. If the Yankees give us reason to, uh, we'll certainly do it. If uh, if it's uh, the, the Giants pursuing Kenley Jansen, we're not going to do an emergency pod for that. But if it's Yankees-related, we might pop on the air. You just might see us. Uh, we just might make you spit out that stuffing bite in disbelief at what the Yankees managed to do with their new and updated payroll. Just ab- straight-up barfing food uh, in just complete shock and astonishment at, at the New York Yankees' behavior. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, a lot of stuff from the weekend. I think I, <laughs> and nothing that really like broke my brain. It's either like stuff we knew, but just getting laid out or stuff that honestly didn't feel real. And I think the Aaron judge contract rumor and the offer that we heard, um, a lot of people spend a lot of time parsing out, like, is this good for the Yankees? Bad for the Yankees? He's entering the market. Is that a fair deal? I don't think the number was even real. But the the reaction to the number, which was a nine year, three hundred thirty seven million dollar offer, as reported by uh, an entity you'd never heard of before. So I, I don't think we I, I don't believe that to be a real number. I don't no. think Aaron Judge outright rejected that. I think the negotiations will be done mostly at the winter meetings. But that said, did the, the reaction to the number kind of shock you a little bit? People saying, oh, the Yankees have to go further than that. They're going to get judged. Are they even serious? And it's like that number is huge. Like. It might not – Judge isn't going to agree to the first offer he receives, but w- there was nothing wrong with that number. No, I thought the reaction was crazy. I think anything over $320 million is a legitimate offer yeah. at, at this point because you would think that um, he's either getting eight or nine years in that scenario. That's a healthy AAV. That's a healthy amount of security. That's one of the uh, eight biggest contracts in baseball history maybe mm-hmm. so i don't know how um there was one tweet that said if i'm aaron judge i'm laughing at this rumored 337 million dollar offer and going to the to seeing what the dodgers have to offer it's like the dodgers don't offer those deals they did it once to mookie Betts, and now everybody else that they've had over the last few years have been um these uh very carefully crafted the freddie freeman deal very carefully crafted he's an aging player so they deferred some money um, they had the the CBT uh, payroll hits not be as uh, excessive in the early going. Um, so the Dodgers are not going to be offer. I mean, they might go you know, the forty five million AV route, kind of like what they did with Bryce Harper. That those few off seasons ago was that a four year hundred eighty million dollar offer they made him. I think that would potentially be an avenue in which they go after Aaron Judge. But I don't I, I, who's I don't know who's offering who who at the at that point, Aaron Judge saying, I don't want this theoretical $337 million offer. I don't know who's coming in and be like, hey, here's 380 There you go. doesn't really work like that. And I think the Yankees are smart if this is how they're doing the business, right? You make Judge a fair offer in the $300 because that's what he deserves. And then you say, hey, you go see what else is out there in free agency. You deserve to be a free agent. You deserve to talk to other teams. You deserve to see what's out there. Come back to us. Let us know what other what other offers there were. We'll see if we can match. Dodgers gave you 350. Okay, now we're talking. Giants offered 360. Okay, cool. We'll see what we can do. Um, but once again, 
we don't want the Yankees bidding against themselves like they did with Derek Cole a couple of years ago um, when they just badly, desperately needed a starting pitcher and they threw all the money out there. They got to be a little bit more calculated in this because as we've talked about too, there's a lot of other needs. Running this team back with just Aaron Judge is not the answer, especially which we'll get into a minute about DJ LeMahieu's injury. That I think kind of clouds the situation with Glaber Torres in terms of yeah. what the Yankees can and can't do. So I, the, if the Yankees are in the $300 million range offering Aaron Judge deals, that is fine with me. Uh, this is not going to be an overnight solution. It's going to be it's going to it's going to take a little while. It's going to take weeks, uh, and it's a small market, right? So he's going to have to deliberate and figure out okay, who's offering the most? Where do I want to go? He's going to be carefully figuring out where he may want to go next if it's not the Yankees and it's not going to be a hasty decision. So take your time, but if as long as we're in as long as we're in that range, not a bad offer, and it's we're all in a good spot. Yeah, we don't know if it's real, but what we do know is. Hal Steinbrenner gave every indication. So what Hal Steinbrenner needs from Aaron Judge is the right of first refusal, right? Yeah. Um, he can't be blind. He needs to do all he can so that he's not blindsided by Judge taking a higher offer with another team. Yep. Going to the Giants meeting, the Giants saying 380 is the number, and Judge saying, and sold, like, yeah. and just signing. Like, I'm pretty confident Hal Steinbrenner will look at any number and get a chance after what I heard last week that he'll get a chance to say yay or nay. Or we heard you're getting 380 from the Giants. We can't do that. We can do 360. If that extra 20 million is so important to you, there's the door. And then maybe he goes to the Giants. Again, I can't predict what Aaron Judge is going to do. What I can predict is that Yankees are going to get a real shot here which I didn't always believe there was definitely a time when is when the second half was deteriorating and judge was the only competent player on the team. And early in the season, when judge was saying, why did Brian Cashman leak that offer? Aren't I worth more than that? What the hell is going on? There were times when I didn't know what his relationship was like with the team, whether they needed him more than he needed them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now I'm pretty confident that this process will begin and end with New York Yankees. I don't know if the Yankees will sign him, or will be overwhelmed by an offer somebody else makes. But I'm pretty sure they're going to get in the room and have a chance to sign Aaron Judge after he's taken free agency meetings with other teams. What I don't know is how much it's going to cost, for sure. And what what I also know is that there was no chance for the Yankees to finish this before he had a chance to meet with other teams especially at the winter meetings. The pool is limited. It's the Giants. It's the Yankees. It's the Dodgers. I've heard rumors there's a mystery team, but even if I hadn't, you know there's probably going to be one because there usually is. And from what I'm hearing in the spending patterns around the league, I think the Texas Rangers are a solid bet to be that mystery team. The mystery team doesn't usually come out on top, but they always exist. I think Aaron Judge is going to meet with those four teams at the winter meetings and have a decision by the end of the winter meetings. Yeah. But I know that there was nothing. There was literally no number that the Yankees could have given him before he had a chance to talk to the Giants and Dodgers that would have gotten it done because the Yankees aren't goofy enough to be like, don't even meet with those guys. Here's 420 million. Like it would have to be 370, 380, 390, 400 for him to be like, I'm not doing free agency after that season. After my prove it year, 
I'm actually going to not enter free agency at all. I'm just going back to New York because I love you so much. Like he's not giving them a hometown discount and they're not offering him an explode the world contract. So after betting on himself, he's going to collect figures from the Giants, from the Dodgers, who just cleared more payroll with Cody Bellinger being exiled from the roster and have $100 million to spend somehow before they hit this luxury tax threshold. They have like $168 million of payroll commitments right now. I don't know how they do it, but congrats to them. They have a ton of wiggle room, and Judge is going to talk to them. That doesn't mean he's going to leave. That just means he would be doing himself a disservice if he didn't bring the Yankees a Dodger number. And I think the Yankees are going to have a chance to say yes or no. 100%. And I think there's also maybe a loose handshake agreement where it's like, okay, they're offering you $25 million more. How about you take the $25 million less and we go out and we get a star pitcher? Or we and get... we, uh, how about we uh, just we film a documentary on you for the $25 <laughs> we, we give your documentary company $25 million like Dirk Davitsky and the Mavericks. <laughs> I think I, I do because based on what Hal, Hal Steinbrenner said about spending more, A, he's not going to be outbid for Judge, too. He's ready to upgrade the roster fairly aggressively. Um, again, we don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what the definition of aggressive for him is um, in, in this day and age based on how the Yankees have kind of limited spending for their uh, abilities and capabilities and whatnot, but they stand to lose the sardom that is Aaron Judge, the the marketing tool that is Aaron Judge. You And I think Aaron Judge is leaving clues that he's probably going to return. You got the appearance on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, uh, making making all those Yankees fans day. I, I just, I don't think that's a departing free agents move. Uh, I had a friend yesterday say that, that if he does not come back after that, it's just, it's mean, that's mean. And I, yeah, that, that is kind of rude. That was yeah. uh that was a Yankees centric piece. And I think a lot of people, it, you want to just a snapshot of why Yankees Twitter is an insufferable place and also a great place. The reaction to the Instagram caption on Saturday the most boilerplate Instagram caption of all time where he said it was an honor to win. Like it's been an honor winning this award in pinstripes or something. It was just an MVP celebration post. And half of the comments were like, this is so good. This is so good for us. And the other half of the comments were like, he's gone shit. Oh, he's gone. He's so gone. Like people couldn't even decide if the most boilerplate sentence of all time indicated staying or going. And I mean, it indicated almost nothing to me, but then he did use his walk up song in the reel he posted on the yep. King of New York. I don't know if that means anything to anyone, but this is a guy who wore New Yorker nowhere sweatshirts down the stretch. Like mm-hmm. he kissed the Yankees logo on his jersey. This isn't the first week of clues from Judge. No, and he another one was he was clean shaven for the everything for the marathon, for the MVP ceremony, um, and for the Fallon thing. And last offseason in November, he immediately grew a beard. When we saw the judge beard and everyone was like, great, can't wait to see this on the Red Sox. It's going to haunt us for decades. Uh, but I think that that's a he's I don't agree with the facial hair policy. I think it's dumb. But he's looking like a Yankee in an offseason where he's technically not a Yankee. Uh, whatever's going on, I, I don't I don't know. I'm confident he's going to return. I think he's leaving these little this little trail of breadcrumbs. Um, it's 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 not the worst thing in the world. I, I'd be happy to kind of look into that as optimism for what's to come. Um, but with other people, I don't know. Labor Torres, we're just talking about him and what's going on with the infield situation. Uh, the Mariners are supposedly interested in him. 
Mm-hmm. Are we going to review talks with the Marlins again? But then you have the problem with if you trade Glaber Torres, what's going to happen if DJ LeMay is not ready for opening day? Uh, does that affect your uh, how, does that affect your depth chart in terms of what you're going to do with Volpe? Is he coming up right away? What are you doing with Praza? Um, where is Oswaldo Cabrera going to be playing opening day? He can play a lot of places, but where do the Yankees feel most comfortable with him playing on defense? So that's another factor of the equation too. I think there's an element that Aaron judge obviously voiced his desire to return, but he's also kind of forcing the Yankees hand and is like, mm, maybe let's start making moves then before, before I'm officially here or have some stuff lined up. Tell me what the options are. Let's go through them. Then I'll sign. And then we can go based off of uh, a ranking or a ranked order of, roster moves that I think are probably suitable to make this team better. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Glaber Torres, yeah, the, the Glaber Torres Mariners thing is interesting because um, the Mariners' last move was like the most telegraphed move of the offseason so far in that everybody was like, uh, the Mariners are interested in Teoscar Hernandez. Like, could a Chris Flexen for Teoscar Hernandez trade make sense? And people said that sentence so much that Teoscar Hernandez got traded to the Mariners. And then, like, everyone on Twitter was like, is it Flexen? Is it Flexen or something more? Did Flexen go? Like, that rumor was 
basically done. That was like a copy pasted printed rumor that ended up not being Chris Flexen. What a shock. But like Teoscar to the Mariners, Teoscar to the Mariners, Teoscar to the Mariners, and then like breaking Teoscar to the Mariners. So Glaber to the Mariners has been very similar to that where after the Teoscar thing, they were like, next up for the Mariners, middle infield help. And everyone yeah. on earth was like, Glaber Torres? Glaber Torres? Does he play middle infield? Even a couple weeks ago, people were like, Glaber might match up nicely with the Mariners. The Mariners can take on a contract like Glaber, etc. I don't know if the Marlins want to... There are two years left on Glaber's, you know, arb control. Yeah. Like, do, do they want escalating Glaber Torres arbitration costs to the Marlins? Is that a team that we're like, Yes, we'll pay twelve million and fourteen million for Glaber Torres. Or is it a near contender like the Mariners? It's just always felt like Seattle. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. We we did this the other half of this dance last offseason when people kept trying to trade Glaber to Oakland. And then people had to keep reminding them, like, by the way, Oakland doesn't want any contracts. They don't want to pay anyone any That's money real. at all. Oakland has no guaranteed money on the books right now for the season zero dollars the payroll isn't going to be zero dollars but it reads as zero dollars because there are no free agents on the roster and the arbitration costs have yet to be determined and like sean murphy is going to be the highest priced guy on that list of players and he's about to get traded so they didn't want glaber torres the marlins aren't that extreme but i don't think they want him either so the mariners rumor that emerged on saturday was like finally there it is it's just like it, it felt like mariners were bust for a while um, but yeah, that being said, how, no matter how inevitable it is, the Yankees seem to be treating it as inevitable or at least leaking to the media that it's inevitable. But Josh Donaldson, probably back next year. Uh, no one needs or wants it, but he's likely to be manning third. You got Volpe and Peraza. You have the middle infielders. You have Isaiah Conner-Valeva still on the roster. We'll talk about him shortly. Um, but you've got DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo is back, but how back is DJ LeMahieu? Uh, so theoretically, there's an infield glut, and at some point, if LeMahieu's healthy and you want to play Volpe and Peraza, you can stop playing Donaldson at 30, you play LeMahieu instead. There are a bunch of things you can do if LeMahieu's healthy. Then Glaber Torres feels like overkill with all these prospects, but LeMahieu isn't healthy. He feels great. A doctor recently, a doc, I'm I love to weigh in, have doctors weighing in on stuff. Um, yeah. Going first to do, like, what's the, what's the deal with the Yankees infield picture? Let's ask a surgeon. Like it's, it's not who I really want to be going to for that information, but a doctor basically said that, yeah, surgery, who knows? It could keep him out for like three months. We just don't know uh, at least six weeks and whatnot to determine how his health is. Uh, the season ended quite a while ago, about a month ago. They still have not done surgery. Uh, DJ LeMahieu says he feels great, but we were also told in the middle of the season that a surgery would never relieve the pain he was feeling, and he was just going to have to gut it out, and that clearly wasn't true because now surgery is on the table, and he gutted it out, and it ruined his season. Uh, there was a lot of, like, it's not going to get any better, so he might as well just play, and then he played and had no power because his foot was broken in half. So... A lot of mixed messaging here that has only continued into the offseason, and no one seems to be sure if the good feeling he's experiencing right now is going to last or if he's going to just have waited too long to have surgery. And if that happens, which feels like the Yankee way, he's not going to play opening day. So is, is anyone confident enough in DJ LeMahieu that the Yankees should trade Glaber Torres, who's been an all-star level contributor for them, to pave the way for someone who might not be able to play? 
I don't know. I keep looking at these injury scenarios we have, and part of it's obviously bad luck, and then the other other part of it is like, does anyone know what they're doing? I don't see any other teams dealing with this kind of stuff. You uh, you've had a guy who's had an, had this toe injury since before the All Star break. It happened in July. We learned about that a month late after he was struggling and we were wondering what was going on, why his power was sapped, why he was starting to roll over balls again after he had caught fire. He was one of the, at at that point, he was one of the top 10 hitters in the league from an all around perspective, OPS, average walks, all that was great. Yankees offense was humming. And now he gets the cortisone injection at the all-star break. We learned that in late August, and we're like, what the hell, man? Why, mm-hmm. why Why? do we not know what's going on? Slash, why is he not resting when we saw the entire team basically need rest right before the all-star break? You were on a scorcher. It was a perfect time to maybe take the foot off the gas pedal and give these guys days before uh, the, the four-day four break or whatever it is. Um, and now we're learning, after he is left off the ALDS and ALCS rosters, that – they don't know if he's going to need surgery. So I don't, once again, I don't understand how you don't know if somebody is going to need surgery. If surgery is not going to affect him long term, and I'm not seeing those details anywhere where they're, where uh, these Yankees beat writers are reporting it, then you just undergo the surgery because then you heal faster. And then, you know, this isn't a, you know, a do your own research situation. I'm sure DJ LeMay was not anti surgery. I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think he's anti-surgery, so I don't know why you just, just don't get the surgery on something that's been – the other thing about it that's weird is this is a lingering issue. So usually when you have a lingering issue and it's not, God forbid, a back thing because back surgery is hard, you have all the nerves in there, you're going up against the spikes. It's tough stuff. You don't want to get back surgery, but foot surgery, I know there's a lot of complica- – there's some complications in there because the foot has like the most bones in the body or something and it's all – who knows what who knows what he did it was the fracture what if, yeah that, what if you put a wrist in you put a wrench in there and you accidentally knock a metatarsal off course you didn't knock it into the bloodstream you just don't know but i i do feel like there are really no reasons not to have had the surgery several weeks ago correct or now or just now it's november if you have a three-month recovery you're back in line for spring training take the off season a rest um instead of playing this guessing game uh which has to has to have some sort of mental toll on you. You're wondering whether or not you're going to be healthy. And if you are healthy, that's great. But you also just spent months wondering if that was going to happen. And then if you're not healthy, you want to run surgery too late. And now you're the start of your season's in jeopardy. So I don't know. I don't know how this benefits anybody. I really don't. Um, unless the doctors once again are sitting there and saying, Hey, this is a, it's a weird risky foot operation. Like we don't want to have to do it unless we absolutely have to do it. And I don't know what that would entail. But Yankees are always in these conundrums with muscle pulls, with weird. So what was the weird, uh, the Corey Kluber shoulder issue that nobody had ever heard of before last yeah, year? Scapula fell off, loose what scapula. Is, I, don't, I just don't understand. It's only with the Yankees. And Anthony he, Rizzo had a back injury, yeah. and then a couple days later it was like, the his back injury is resolved, but he can't stand up straight because his head is in so much pain. And it's like, yeah. wait, wait a second. You have a full spinal tap? Like, did everybody forget to tell us that? Um, there, It's always something. Even on the Yankee teams that win, there's always something where you're just like, what in the fucking hell is that? Yeah. So now that puts stuff in jeopardy because you're more like, look, DJ's part of this team, right? DJ ain't getting traded. Uh, we talked about how he was essential to come back that year. He was a free agent, but we also 
out the side of our mouth said, this contract is not going to be good. It's there's going to be something up with it. You have to resign him. And you also know there is going to be some, whether it was paying for that extra sixth year that they really didn't need to. So you're paying for two years of regression as opposed to one or mm-hmm. three, as opposed to two. Um, and now you've just lost the two best years of DJ LeMahieu when he's going to be the most healthy. He's going to be in uh, the, the, the prime of, of what he's been doing, which he did the two prior years before signing the contract. So He's an integral part of the piece, the puzzle piece for next year. He's going to be, once again, we have IKF, which I don't know if he's staying or not, but they're both utility guys. You can't have two utility guys on the roster, in my opinion, at least for that high a price. You have DJ at $15 million a year and IKF making $6 million. You're going to pay two utility guys $21 million. That that seems dumb. Um, and I, do think Oswaldo, I, I do think Oswaldo Cabrera is a big part of this and a bigger part of this than we're letting on just because yeah. – we got so used to him in the outfield last year because it was a nice place to say, oh, we don't have a left fielder. And now we have this crazy guy who's never played yeah. outfield in his life, but he's our starting left fielder. I don't think he should be playing much outfield moving forward. You know, he certainly saying? didn't, he, he didn't distinguish himself in left field in the playoffs. No. The, the warts showed, and he is a second baseman. He is a shortstop. He isn't a right or left fielder. So the fact that he's able to do that and has Swiss Army knife versatility is helpful. Yeah, But when you're laying out the infield depth chart, don't forget that there is a natural second baseman shortstop who everybody loved, who just so happened to be playing left field for the last two months of the year. It's not going to be that easy all the time. He can do it, but if LeMahieu is missing time and Torres is gone, Cabrera can slot in at second base. Yeah, I was more so just thinking we know how the Yankees operate, right? And they're going to play the people who are making the most money. It's just what they do because they can't yeah. they can't fathom watching – a bad investment, you know, be, be bad. They just, they won't do it. Um, that's why Josh Donaldson did not get relieved at third base whatsoever this year, despite there being ample opportunity to do so. That's why IKF was not moved off shortstop. Um, they had to, they, they had to see that trade through. They paid a lot of money for that trade. They weren't going to punt on it early. Um, and now you have DJ making 15 million a year for the next four years. And you bet your ass, he's going to be squeezed into every single situation whether it's favorable or not, that's just what they're going to do. So, uh, but it is a good point. Oswaldo should probably be playing more infield. I think it helps. Um, it helps the overall picture and then it makes IKF more expendable and then they figure it out from there. But this is not good news. This throws a wrench into a lot of plans. And now you have, even if they were considering trading DJ LeMahieu, right? This does not allow you to do that. You, I don't know how you're getting rid of Aaron Hicks. I don't know how you're getting rid of Josh Donaldson. Um, even though there have been rumors that the Yankees are going to shop those two. Yeah, great. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can you can act like someone's going to trade for these guys. They're not going to, unless you make a serious, serious concession, which the Yankees don't do. So um, this is not great. And, and this is where the offseason is going to tell us what we need to know for next year, right? Because it's either they know that they just might have to eat this for 2023 DJ maybe not being healthy for the first two or three months or maybe the first half um, or maybe just never really being himself again and then them either spending to make that happen or them giving away some assets to get this other money off the books in Donaldson in Hicks in IKF to make it actually work and so then they can spend more money on top of the other issues that they have so that's really where it is for me if they're just going to sit here and run it back with Judge and not really do anything. And but once again, bank on people getting healthy 
when that's never the case. We've been doing this shit since 2018. Hoping somebody returns to full strength is just not, it's not a real thing. That's not how it, any of it works. Never works out that way when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, well, you know, at some point he'll come around. He's an all-star player. Or, oh, his back's bothering him, but like that should be fine in August, right? No, no, there's no, there's nothing to prove that that's going to happen. It's all unpredictable. So the Yankees cannot operate like that. If they're willing to be proactive, make bigger and better decisions and kind of push things off to the side that are leaving them at this kind of arbitrary mercy where they're just like, okay, maybe coin flip. We'll see if it happens or not. Um, that will be what I think defines 2023. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's talk uh, our other utility friend now. That's a solid transition. Yeah. Uh, because, like you said, pretty expensive to hold on to two utility guys, one of whom no one on the fan base really has any faith in at this point. Yeah. Um, there were a few hopes and dreams of Isaiah Kiner Falefa being non tendered last week. Uh, tough stuff, right? Because if you do non tender him, you are cutting loose a player who last offseason was in not one but two trades. Mm -hmm. The Twins had interest in Isaiah Conner-Falefa, traded for him from the Texas Rangers. The New York Yankees wanted him so badly that they took on Josh Donaldson's money to bring Isaiah Conner-Falefa in. Say what you will about that trade. It was a bad one. Two trades. And the Yankees bent over backwards to bring in Isaiah Conner-Falefa. Isaiah Conner-Falefa's resulting <laughs> season. We didn't love it. It wasn't fantastic. There were positives. He hit 327 with runners in scoring position in a large sample size. 
put up three war, uh, hit like 483 in limited at-bats with the bases loaded. You don't have to look that hard to find positives. Uh, but ultimately, he is a defense-first contact hitting shortstop third baseman who isn't a confident shortstop, uh, certainly isn't, you know, didn't get enough run at third base. Uh, and the contact, like we knew it would be his weak contact, uh, you hit 261. If you're the contact guy with speed, you kind of got to hit 290, 300, 310. He hit 261. He got on base at a 314 clip, 84 OPS plus. This is the player that he is. In 2021, he had an 85 OPS plus. That was the year that led to both the Twins and Yankees clamoring to trade him. So if you cut him, you're cutting a player who there was competition for in trade just a year prior. Yeah. However, he has been turned under contract now. The Yankees could trade him. They made the decision they did not want to just let loose an asset of that caliber. But maybe those teams learned their lesson, right? Like maybe teams were trying to get IKF because he was a gold glover in 2020 and he was somebody who had previously had a 90, uh, 93 OPS plus during the short in 2020. He hit 280. He slugged uh, 370. He had a nearly 700 OPS of 699. Maybe teams were hoping 2021, not what I wanted, but hopefully he'll bounce back to that slightly above level from 2020. And he didn't. So you are taking the chance that after back-to-back identical years, People are saying, no, I know what he is now. He's an 85 OPS plus guy with not great shortstop defense. I don't want that. Or the demand is exactly where it is. Either way, the Yankees decided to take that chance and not lose an asset for nothing. They tendered him a contract, $6 million. I don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. I do know he's been tendered a contract. Same with Lou Trevino. The Yankees didn't non-tender anybody. What do you feel about where IKF is? Do you think personally that he opens next season on the roster? Because I am still like, I think I'm 65, 35. He's gone by opening day. Yeah, I'd probably lean that too. It's at the very least 60, 40, um, just because it's very, it was very weird how this whole situation transpired. They trusted him up until the last possible moment when they kind of needed to trust him. um, And then they didn't. And then you had a spiraling kind of roster situation with uh, the shortstops coming in and out, the leadoff hitters constantly being changed. Uh, And I understand injuries played a role there, um, but it was evident that they did um, they did a number on him confidence wise by pulling him like that um, and apparently not helping his defense when he asked, we kind of learned that at the end of the season when Brian or Aaron Boone was talking about um, how IKF approached the team about helping his defensive abilities. Cause it felt like he was playing the worst defense of his career. Um, and the Yankees were essentially just like, no, you're actually doing really good. And he's like, I don't, I don't, I'm me. I don't think I'm doing that. Well, no, you're good. Okay. All right, cool. Hmm. Um, and there, yeah, it's twofold here. Right. Too. So, um, the Yankees usually don't non-tender people like that last year they did it with Frazier, but that was a situation that kind of came to a head. Anybody that they, they tendered Gary Sanchez, a contract last year, which I think kind of derailed everything. If they had just non-tendered him, saved the 9 million or whatever it was, then their hand isn't forced to make the trade. They simply felt like they needed to get value for Gary Sanchez after however long they hung on to him and the experiment didn't really work out. 
Um, but for someone like IKF, I think it's a little bit different. Six million is really not a prohibitive number uh, for six million dollars. For what he can bring is a lot different than for nine million dollars for what Gary Sanchez brought. Uh, someone playing multiple infield positions at an above average level. Uh, say what you want about his defense at short. Um, if IKF is the backup shortstop in any realm, uh, I, I think that's a fine scenario for most teams. I don't know where you're getting much better than that. And if he can play second, third, and he has the capability to play catcher, God forbid, um, and he can lengthen your lineup with a contact bat, whether the OPS plus is a desirable number or not, uh, you bat 260, 270, you can get by. You get clutch hits. He gets a lot of hits with uh, the bases loaded. Um, runners in scoring position, that's the, a certain element of the game that is beyond valuable for a lot of teams, especially in that eight or nine hole where you're hitting. But um, with the emergence of Cabrera, with the emergence of Peraza, with the Yankees apparently um, – holding their ground on Josh Donaldson being the starting third baseman. I don't know why you would keep IKF in this scenario, especially when he does have value. I don't think his value is what it was, but uh, on an, he's the, this $6 million is expiring. He'll be a free agent after 2023. I think teams value that because they know the money's coming off the books. Um, and again, versatile can play a multitude of positions. If you utilize him correctly, he is a nice player to have. The Yankees unfortunately utilized him incorrectly, and he was largely an unpleasant player to have because of what the expectations were and what the Yankees actually needed. They needed a capable shortstop. They needed to put the Glaber Torres years at shortstop behind them as quickly as possible, and they didn't really do that at all. It was kind of like a Glaber Torres Jr. situation where you didn't feel totally comfortable with him at shortstop, but there were also moments where you got much more excited than you ever were with Glaber Torres at shortstop. Uh, and they needed to get rid of those bad moments, and they kept the bad moments alive for the worst part of the season when the stakes got higher, the competition got even more fierce, and everything was on the national stage for the world to see. So I don't think he's going to be here. I think that they're going to try to offload this money. It's going to be part of the judge situation. They'll uh, they'll have more money to supplement the roster. Maybe they'll get a back-end 30, top 30 prospect for IKF. That's probably what he's worth. Um, and remember, they have a little bit of farm system rebuilding to do. They traded away a lot of prospects at this year's deadline. Some of them had to go. Some of them may not have had to go. But either way, it's always an ongoing project with the farm system, with international signings, all of that. So um, the, you got Clayton Beater for Joey Gallo. I think that did a great job of uh, supplementing the top 10 that was lost. He slid right into the top 10. He had a great end to the year. Maybe they unlocked something and figured it out. Uh, so look for them to get a – get a low stakes guy there and maybe they can turn him into a contributor or something. Um, I'm probably looking toward a pitcher because they love to do that with um, the relievers who they, you know, just bump between triple uh, a and the bigs. Um, but yeah, IKF, unless they, unless, I don't, I don't think it's crazy. There's a world in which they trade Cabrera, for example, mm-hmm. if they get something that they really want, I don't think that that's going to happen, but you can't really rule that out, especially if the IKF market is depressed based on what other teams are looking for. But yeah, I, I I don't think you can confidently say right now he's an opening day roster guy. If they're trading, they got to trade from the infield glut because they yeah. traded all their pitchers last year. The pitching glut doesn't exist anymore. They don't really have the upper level pitchers they used to. And the outfield, they don't even have enough prospects to man a current outfield. Like they keep using Esteban Florial over and over and over again. So you can trade him 
if you want to, but he's not the guy. So uh, they, they don't have the high uh, upper tier outfielders that they should. And, and they have so many top tier infielders. Yeah. I wouldn't be stunned if Cabrera is part of a trade better be a good trade though. Better exactly. be a big one. Um, I cap people are saying like top 20 prospect is a fair exchange for I cap. I would take a top 25. I don't yeah. feel like top 20 feels like a big ask. Maybe a 27, 28, honestly, top 30. Okay, fine. Top 50, <laughs> Top 70, I'll do it. No, um, I, I don't know. I feel like back end of the top 30, if you can get that for IKF, you do it instead of non-tendering him. But now you are stuck with him if you can't figure out a way to make that magic yeah. happen. Uh, and the the two weeks in October are really the reason why I'm sort of surprised that they're even leaving it up for grabs. Like, obviously, you don't non-tender a solid utility guy who could get you some return in a trade. But also, you know, it, it was Aaron. it was entering Aaron Hicks' territory at the end of the ALCS without the Aaron Hicks contract attached to him. Like Aaron mm-hmm. Hicks, you can't cut because there's, or, or you could, the Cubs did it with Jason Hayward, but there's money on Aaron Hicks. There's very little money and nothing long-term on IKF. So you could just do it, but it feels like they're not going to do it. And, and they didn't do it. Um, before we uh, wrap this up, any of the other non-tenders interest you? Obviously the Yankees tender to contract everybody from IKF to Kyle Higashioka to Lou Trevino uh all of and then the obvious ones like Nestor Cortez was never getting non-tendered so he's he's back they're just gonna have to negotiate that salary but some teams went hard uh the 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 Giants knocked 700 guys off their 40-man roster a bunch of younger relievers and utility guys most of which we haven't heard of a couple high profile names are out there Luke Voigt back on the market Dom Smith Brian Anderson from the Marlins, Luis Torrens, former Yankee catcher. If they had non-tendered IKF, that's an interesting one. As of now, probably no fit. Uh, the Reds knocked a ton of guys off their roster. Ashley Desquino is the headliner. Tigers, Jimer Candelario, Harold Castro, Willie Castro. Some names that we've thrown out as potential Tigers trade targets in the past uh, are now free agents, although we were probably just scooping the bottom of the barrel there, and those were never really Yankees trade targets. Like, we yeah. spilled too much ink on Yankees trade target Willie Castro. Like, no, two seven. Like, he basically put up IKF numbers, and we're like, yeah. that's good. That's pretty good. Uh, but we just <laughs> saw IKF, and nobody liked that experience. So, are there any names out there that intrigue you? Obviously, of course, Cody Bellinger is one, one A, one B. There is it. I don't think you'll ever see an MVP non tendered three years after the win ever again. But if the Dodgers couldn't solve him, what makes anyone else think they can? Uh, but beyond Cody Bellinger, or if you're intrigued by Cody Bellinger, what, what are the names that stand out to you there? I mean, who wouldn't be intrigued by Cody Bellinger, right? It's probably not going to cost you a whole lot um, because the Dodgers cut him loose. Of all the teams that could pay that money to him, the Dodgers are number one, and they decided not to, so that affected his market to begin with. Um, you look at a guy like Edwin Rios, yeah, plays third base, lefty bat, I don't know what the scenario would be there. Uh, he's obviously had issues with injuries in LA. Um, so I don't, uh, it's just an intriguing name. We've seen him be successful on a very good MLB team. He's had his moments. Um, not exactly an all-star player uh, whatsoever, but someone who can contribute if he's putting the lineup in the right spot, his bats are on them protecting him. He's got some pop, um, solid defender. Um, and Ryan Yarbrough is another one for me. Is he injured or the Rays just doing some weird stuff? Uh he kicked the Yankees' ass in his career, 1.99 ERA against us. If we are picking up 
for example, I don't know if we talked about him last episode because I think it happened on non uh, on tender day, um, picking up Junior Fernandez from the Pirates, um, the right-handed reliever who had spent time with the Cardinals since 2019 and then landed with the Pirates last year, uh, throws 100 with a nasty sinker. Sinker slider, uh, sinker slider curve fastball combo. And he looks like Clay Holmes. Like it, exactly. it didn't take much. It was kind of shocking. Like the somebody, Max, Max Goodman, I think, circulated the highlight of like, yeah. this is the Yankees' new project. And you're like, all right, let me click play on the video. And it's like, oh, it's a 100 mile an hour sinker that darts yeah. left and right. Like we already have that guy. Now we have another one. Like you don't really have to stretch your brain to be like, that could work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the exact same profile. The Clay Holmes was a big sinker slider guy with Pittsburgh. Couldn't really Yankees uh, couldn't really find his uh, his control. The Yankees did a mechanical tweak, and he turned into an all star. Obviously, we didn't get the results we wanted down the stretch in the second half, but that could have been attributed to a couple of injuries he was dealing with. Um, but that's really it for me. I would say Bellinger, who everybody is interested in um, Edwin Rios and uh, Ryan Yarbrough. Ryan Yarbrough, I feel like, would be a great guy to have as uh, your Domingo Herman type, first guy into the rotation if there's an injury, first guy out of the bullpen when you need a long relief. Um, Soft-throwing lefty, I think that's always valuable to have coming out of the pen. Um, Experience pitching in the AL East, which is really what you want, whether it's super successful or not. You just you have the ability to do that in a high-stakes environment with some of the best offenses in the league. Um, so yeah, I, nobody else here. Tuki Toussaint was kind of a funny one. He got non-tendered by the angels. I didn't even know he ended up there, but, uh, that was a serious prospect. The Braves once upon a time threw really Ryan hard. Yarbrough, had... do, you, do you trust Ryan Yarbrough without the Yankees on his list of opponents though? Like he doesn't get to face the Yankees if we sign him. So are you, are you sure you want to do that? I'm not sure I want to do anything. It's just somebody who I would, I would, I would keep my eyes out on um especially because there's always a need for pitching look at the bullpen right now you you have some guys in there where you're like great and there's a lot of guys who came off the books and while they didn't exactly contribute this year in Britain, chapman green um and miguel castro only contributed like what 28 29 innings this year yeah um you simply need bodies you need bodies in the bullpen who are able to eat innings um whether they're going to be whether it's going to be the most successful pitching you see or not um, you're not going to ever, you're not going to ever have an entire bullpen of guys who are capable of throwing an inning seven through nine. You're going to need the guys who are eating up slop, uh, the slop innings and throwing to uh, throwing to batters when you're uh, leading by a ton or losing by a ton, or even if you just need somebody to eat multiple innings when the bullpen has been taxed, which the Yankees find themselves in every year right before the All Star break. So that's really my interest in Yarbrough. Um, seems kind of like a durable guy. I don't know if that's a lie or not, um, but I'm trying to see if he's injured because this is confusing why the Rays would do this. They love doing weird stuff. Yeah. The, the rest of these guys, yeah, I don't know. Josh James from the Astros, a little I bit. I saw that too. I was like, yeah. uh, Alex Reyes from the Cardinals, not so much for me. A former All-Star, but if we're doing bullpen yeah. reclamation projects, like we picked our guys. Times, I think. Yeah, it was Fernandez was the guy we picked. Like we, we had a chance to do Alex Reyes immediately. We did Fernandez. Yeah. So, um, you know, got to trust the Yankees on that one. And uh, Luke Voigt, no, buddy. No, man. No, 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 dude. That's uh, Anthony Rizzo was traded for, signed, and then extended again. And people are still like, the Yankees look at Luke Voigt? No, we did 
we tripled down on Anthony Rizzo and would quadruple down on Anthony Rizzo again. Giancarlo Stanton plays DH. The Yankees are not signing Luke Voigt to be the 26th man on the roster. Uh, best of luck in Milwaukee or Tampa. And I'm sure he'll put up a 110 OPS plus, but not here, not now, never again. Uh, okay. Even though he was at the the Aaron Judge Gala with Tyler Wade. And, and yeah, that was nice. Standing on opposite play. sides, standing on opposite sides of Judge. It was like yeah. Voight and Rizzo were both on opposite sides because they probably have never spoken. Yep. <laughs> Voight hated him the second he was traded here. Um, he had to. There's no way he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yarbrough, 20 games, nine starts last year. I don't know what that was about. I can't seem to find any injuries doing a quick Google search, so maybe we'll update you with that. But 155 innings pitched the year prior. Um, he pitched in 11 games in the shortened season, uh, 141 and two-thirds innings the year before that, 147 innings the year before that. I think that's it's kind of what you want, kind of what you want for one of the last guys out of the bullpen, capable of starting games, giving you length if you need it, uh, capable of the lefty lefty matchups, which the Yankees love to utilize too. So I don't know. That's that's the only one that really interests me, and everything else is whatever. You just got to go get better players. Uh, Chris Kirshner just did a uh, best offseason scenario for the Yankees, re-signed Judge, signed Brandon Immo to play left field. His projection is a six-year, $132 million contract. Here's an interesting one. Trade for Liam Hendricks. What are the White Sox going to do? What are they going to do? Do they think they're good enough? They may, they're probably going to lose Jose Abreu. Lucas Giolito's a free agent after the, uh, 2023. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. And then his last bit is trade away Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. Thank you. We would all love that. But yeah, That'd be great. That is a best-case scenario. Honestly. Look around the league with teams who might be in a weird situation where they may need to retool or they, at this point, are just like, you know what? This roster isn't it. So we're going to figure something else out and – we're going to trade some guys away. We're going to get value as quickly as we possibly can, try and turn it around by the middle of this year so we're prepped and ready to go for 2024. I don't know. Another I thing. Think White Sox, I think White Sox fans think they're trading Liam Hendricks and Giolito, and I guess we'll Seems see. that way. Right? Yeah. Is Clifford Seven a White Sox fan? Oh, I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, that that's it for this edition of the podcast. If you love Yankees rumors and, and chat, then uh, this is the show for you Mondays and Thursdays. If you uh, hate stupid negative content that's full of crap and, and are looking oh, for a new show to add to your shit list. Been positive. This is the most positive show we've done in years. <laughs> this was saying that the Yankees are likely to bring Aaron Judge back and he's going to let them name their price. And then also, like, we praised Isaiah Kiner-Falefa's numbers with the bases loaded. So, like, oh, what shit. What do you want? It. Like, there, there was nothing to even be negative about here. Um, but thanks, Clifford7. You know, if, you, uh, if, you're lo- if you're out there looking for negative crap and you, you haven't found enough of it in your day-to-day and, and Twitter is too positive for you uh, <laughs> during, its, during its final weeks, make sure to seek out the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Uh, yeah. Our man drunk, drunk. What a a fitting conclusion to our season together that we both <laughs> ended up with MVPs, and so now all you have left is to say that yours is better, even though that we both we both have them. So like best in the league, best in the <laughs> league, but mine is better than the best in the. Okay, yeah, I mean that's where that's where we're at now with you. Rivalry uh, truly has come full circle. I hope we bring Judge back. Hope you keep on. Uh, Oh, Paul Goldschmidt keeps it up next year because that was one hell of a season. Pretty bad NL uh, wildcard series, though, for that guy. 
Um, we're going to be live again next week and this week pending emergencies. We just don't know. Uh, but if there's something, something that merits it tomorrow or Wednesday, we'll make sure to find a way on air or even over the Thanksgiving weekend. Make sure to stay tuned and find us on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. I don't even know why I say Google Podcasts second. It just flows nicely, but it'll never be anyone's favorite podcast. Network. Never. It's basically just like an organic. It comes up when you search podcast, but eh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, those are the ones. Plus, uh, your stitchers and your special streaming services, etc. But we're on all of them, so it doesn't even matter. You don't have to pick a favorite. You can find us anywhere and again live on YouTube. Mondays and Thursdays, two o'clock Eastern time, but not this Thursday. Again, I understand that's confusing, but not this Thursday. Till next time, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerball or content at Yanksco Yard FS and Yanksgoyard.com. I stole your line just for fun. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Read up the content, have fun, leave some comments. Uh, we always love that. Uh, talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, keep it coming. We want to hear it all. A lot of offseason scenarios. Things are going to take a while to unfold. We have a lot of deliberating to do. Um, until then, everyone, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy all the wonderful food. Uh, make sure that you tell people you're thankful for them. There's one time to do it. It's the easiest time to do it. It's not like random and weird. You're just like, hey, thankful for you. Love you, friend. Yep. Love you, family. Pretty cool. Just nice to spread the good vibes. And uh, maybe send Aaron Judge a message. Tell him you're thankful for him, and that'll get the contract situation maybe settled faster than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, I don't know how many of you are I love you guys, but this is the week. So get it done. And reach out to Aaron Judge on all of his social media platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. No, he's not there. But Aaron Judge is everywhere. Kickstart the process. End of the winter meetings, I'm telling you. Watch list. Um, and until next week, uh, you can find us online. And we'll see you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.